Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 57. It took me a minute to find the right button. I was (laughs) delaying. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Awesomeness. Awesomeness, talking generally speaking about the church and faith. About the church here. Cliff Ravenscraft. DG Hollams. And uh, a whole smorgasbord of goodness in our topics today. <laughs> Great. Now, now I'm getting hungry again. I am hungry. <laughs> Woo! I like that music. All right, so uh, we have lots of wonderful things to talk about today. Of course, we are going to continue our discussion or the the feedback brought on by somebody in our community that we love very much, and that would be Tess, who just really sends in some wonderful feedback, well thought out, well, well, um, you know, just you could just tell there's a lot of passion and desire to to really move the conversation forward with her, and and I really enjoy and appreciate her. Yeah, her stuff is really well. It it is done really well. <laughs> so, but the thing is, of course, is uh, we definitely have lots of other people in the community, and I want to highlight some other things before we continue uh, part two of of Tessa's feedback. Cool. So there are some wonderful discussions to be had before we go to something that was just recently put into the forum over at gspn.tv slash forum. I want to start off the conversation or start off the show with some voice feedback from a good friend of mine. His name is Jeff Gentry. Cool. Ha- he happens to be my uh, loan system admin in the forum. Oh, wow. He, okay. he, he basically helps me keep everything uh, all in check in the uh, forum online in the community. Make sure everybody's well, very cool. working alongside one another, building community so and dude's stuff. dude's listening to us. He's listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Jeff Gentry's Thanks, been Jeff. around since day one, I think. Well, so it's that, not like you don't have very many podcasts, you know. It's, yeah, this is I true. do have to ask. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just I have to. I'm just like, so which one do you listen to? Or which you know, 12 do you listen to? No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what Jeff had to say. Hey, Cliff and DG, this is Jeff uh, Gentry calling from Burlington, North Carolina, uh, also known as X-Force 11 around the forum, calling about uh, about the church. Uh, forgive me, I'm playing catch-up. I'm listening to episode 55 and uh, listening to DG talk about uh, just how he's struggling and uh, thinking about uh, authority and leadership within the church, and uh, just wanted to share how um, my church does it. We kind of look at the the biblical uh, role of having elders at a church as opposed to one person in leadership. Um, we have a pastor, but he is one of the elders, and the elders are all qualified uh, according to the biblical requirements. And they all teach. They take turns. uh, But they practice kind of a a neat um, principle called uh, first among equals, where uh, we recognize that the Lord has gifted each person with different gifts. And when uh, an area that one of the elders is gifted in uh, comes up, then that person leads, that man leads in that area, and the other elders come alongside and serve with. Uh, For example, our pastor was writing a book uh, a year or two ago, 
and we do expository preaching. So he took a break from preaching uh, to write, and the other elders and men in the church stepped up and continued that teaching. Uh, we've got an elder in the church who was a deacon for many years, has a heart for service and administering gifts, and um, he does that with the elders. So we have a group of men who are sharing the responsibility so there's not one person at the top. There's accountability among those men, and yet we still have a pastor, but these elders are leading. And even um, during the week we have shepherds groups where we have meetings in homes where there are two men uh, who are leading those who are the shepherds of those group and and, and shepherding them and taking uh, you know responsibility but they're sharing that leadership so I, I think the the church can have a a shared community based um, you know leadership and, and sharing in that and yet still walk after the biblical doctrine and and the challenge is how to walk that out in in traditional churches that are used to having a uh, one person in charge so you know that's just a, a an insight and uh hope it helps and uh thanks for all your hard work and your uh your efforts to to bring people in and 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 bring the discussion in thanks bye thank you so much jeff thanks jeff you know that that's exactly. Um, you know, it, it, I'm glad to hear there are more and more churches that are moving to this kind of leadership within the church, yeah, where cool. the where the head pastor isn't in charge of everything, right? Right. And the, and so it's good to hear that there are other churches out there that have a a little bit more balanced approach to to the the to the leadership organization of the church. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you know, like the the Methodist Church, the way that they have set it up is they have. They have boards, you know, and so the elder, which in Methodist terminology is the certified um, ordained, you know, clergy, mm-hmm. they have elder and deacons that it can both be ordained. Um, and one, basically the elders, the only thing the elders can do that the deacons can't is the sacraments. We only have two, which is baptism and, and communion. Um, I actually, deacons do, can do communion now, so now it's really just... <laughs> is it marriage? Considered a no, sac- well, it's a right. Roman Catholic Church, sure, but it's not a sac- it's not a sacrament in the Methodist Church. Really? So anybody can do a marriage in the church? Uh, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, not necessarily anybody. I think that you 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 don't have to be an elder. Like deacons can. You do have it. to have the approval of the church. Well, well yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> but I think deacons can do it. Local pastors can do it, um, and maybe even lay speakers. But I, you know, that's a good question. I might have to. I'll, I can yeah. look it up if you really want to know. But anyway, what they do is they basically just say, okay, all the decisions, like they have a staff parish relations committee, and that's the committee that basically says, well, we want to keep this pastor here. We don't want to keep this pastor here. If people have issues with the staff members, then that's that's the committee that it goes to and stuff like that. So, I mean, so it, I think that, you know, the way that, the, the way that they've just chosen to deal with it is they might be the pastor and they might be a certified, you know, uh, ordained elder, but all the power doesn't and should not be only in their hands. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And the power really is. And that's, and I think that's the one of the beautiful things about the Methodist church is where, since I am in the itinerant system, they move me so many every years uh, to a different location. Um, it really is the church that's making the decisions for the church, that local body that's making decisions for that local body uh, in the ways, in the areas that they can make decisions. 
You know, so so the pastor doesn't really get to ramrod a whole bunch of stuff, but it happens because of the ignorance of a lot of the a lot of the lay people, the people that are in the church that are on these committees, or the pastor can basically just flood that committee with people that are friends that will just let him or her do all these different things. Uh, yes. So I mean, I mean, politics gets in the way, of course, but you know what? The you know, idea behind it is that you know there's other committees that are doing those those kinds of leadership. But I think that's cool. I mean, what he's talking about was awesome. Absolutely, really cool. absolutely. And and I just want to just point out the fact that you know we could sit here and and point out issues or or drawbacks or. Uh, inadequacies in any church. The, the truth is that all churches have human beings in them, sure, uh, functioning, doing the work of God, and sometimes doing the work of themselves. Oh yeah, and and politics is going to be involved no matter where you go. I mean, and and the truth is, is it, it doesn't. It's not a big church versus small church thing either. It it happens at all levels, and it, and it all comes down to the way that we pretty much just handle relationships with each other and mm-hmm. and. Selfish tendencies and and passive aggressiveness I see is a is a huge plague sometimes that oh, that sure. hits us and you know it, it it's unfortunate but I I believe it's it, it the one thing that I I hope that would happen especially for anybody listening to this podcast is that if you get involved in a church and you start to notice because the thing is is it's there but if you start to notice the politics I just pray that the pol- politics just don't discourage you to the point where you just give up on community. In in a in a local church, right? And there's a book out there by Dan Kimball. I think it's Dan Kimball that says uh, they they like Jesus, but they don't like the church. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's what's going on there. In a lot of cases, a lot of people that have said, "Well, yeah, I like Christian. I mean, I like Jesus, but I really can't stand the church because I've been hurt by the church so many times." Or this one person has you know said this, and they're taking that as, "Oh, okay, well, that's the representation of you know God or of Christ or something else like that." And that's that's really, really sad. And and the thing is, is, and there's a book by a guy named, well, I can't remember his name right now, but he does a, he's, he's written a book similarly titled, it's called Love, let's see, Love God, Hate Church, or Love Jesus, Hate Church, Love God, Hate Church, something like that. But the thing is, is that I think that that's an oxymoron. I don't think you can love God and hate the church because the church right. is not an institution. The church is the people. Right, exactly. You know, and what what you're upset with is not the institution. You're upset with the people that are running the different various offices or different right. uh, positions in the church. But but the thing is, those are people. That is not that is not God. It's people, right. and and we don't do things perfectly all the time. Right. Well, actually, most of the time we don't do things perfectly. Yeah, and you know, part of that though is is something that the church has put on itself. I mean, if the church honestly has this kind of this underlying, never expressed understanding that if I accept Christ, then my life's going to be fine and perfect. Oh, I hate that. And 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 I think what what you see there, and this is this is this is kind of the unwritten kind of thing. But if if you want to tap, let me know. Um, no, no. I, I forgot my laptop today, so we're we're sharing a keyboard for the chat room. But but um, but if you see some of that stuff happening within there, um, I just. Yeah, I, I mean, well, the thing is, is pre- number one, um, the 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 worst thing you can say is, well, the last thing I, or the the only thing I can do is pray because the thing is, is the first thing you should be doing is if you notice this stuff is begin praying, pray for the the people involved, pray for the people that have hurt you, pray for the sure. people that concern you, pay, pray for the people who are rubbing you the wrong way, yeah, and pray for your heart regarding those people because I'll be honest with oh, you, yeah, th- yeah. I there have been many times I've been so so angry 
with people and 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 pastors or elders or or ministry leaders just absolutely burning with rage and anger and 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 you know what well the first thing i need to do is before i go and approach these people i need to i need to get with god and and find out what's going on in my heart why is this make me so angry yeah and 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 then all of a sudden once you have a love, a genuine love for that person, and and you can find that there's something pure and holy about your motives in addressing this issue. That's when it's time to say, okay, God, now give me the either the opportunity, the discernment, the the wisdom, and the courage to to go and speak directly to the person sure. that that I've had this issue with. And I, I, but I'm primarily looking at it from a person that's looking from the outside in. Oh yeah, and seeing you know and saying to themselves, well, if that is if that is a representation of Jesus Christ, I don't want any part of it. Well, and and, and, that, and that and that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of a lot of times when you go into like, and this is church members. If you ask for prayer request time, uh-huh. rarely will you find a church that the majority of those will actually be saying someone saying, pray for me because of this. We, we, we don't have a sacrificial kind of mentality. I think we've lost it. I think we used to. But so the majority of them are, oh, my aunt or my uncle or my sister or my daughter, or my dog. or it's, it's always something else other than me. Right. And I think that that's kind of an underlying underlying. Uh, clue into how we've forgotten <laughs> how to be able to just be open and honest with our about ourselves and stuff like that right and so i think that that when people see some of those things um you know they they see they see politics and not people yeah and i think we just need to be better about that right and and i think it's important to point out that that the church is not necessarily a representation of god or, or but but instead a representation of a family and and you know whenever you think about your family i mean I haven't met a non-dysfunctional family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, the fact is, is people get together. And, and I, I have been leading small group Bible studies, um, whether you call them life groups, cell groups, uh, home team Bible studies, you know, whatever you want to call these small groups of people. I've been leading these uh, for many, many years now. And it is very clear. You can actually document. Uh, you can actually chart the the progress of and the life cycle of these groups and there is the there there is for within the first couple of weeks to the first month to three months is the excitement phase and right around somewhere between two months to three months into a group a small group of people meeting together on a weekly basis yeah. once a week every week in each other's home there is a phase we call the conflict stage it's where the the newness has wore off People have started to take off their mask, and guess what? We've become a little bit more transparent, and all the uh, some of the ugly stuff in our lives slowly starts to to spill Pop, out. Pops up, yeah, exactly. And you know what? And 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 the the important thing is is that you make it through right that. Mm-hmm. And if you can sit there and see some something in somebody that bothers you that that you don't like that's different than you, and you can get through that, get over that. Not passive aggressively, but you right. you can address how it's affecting you, and and you can you can start to learn how to love that person unconditionally, and and then all of a sudden just start to do life together and see what what God's plan and purpose is for you to do life together. It's amazing what can happen if we can get through that. But avoiding the church, avoiding the family, is not going to move the kingdom of God forward. Right. And that's why if if yeah. if anything we look to Jesus Christ, what was his dying wish that they would be one? 
that that's his dying wish. So anyway, I'm done. It's not the only dying wish, but sure, go for it. Well, that that was that was be, why he was in the garden. He, pray, I mean, his. Well, anyway, <laughs> he also Arr. said, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." And okay, I mean, yeah, well, they're okay. Well, uh, among his dying, that's right. That's right. Among that's his saying, dying wish. Okay, I think he would definitely want people to be able to see his followers as one. Well, and 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 it was clearly identified in the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, I pray that they will be one. All right, so. Let's move on to another um, bit of feedback that we got. Actually, it isn't feedback for this podcast in, in essence. It's actually something that's just in the community forum. It's just a com- conversation it, that's been having com- in the community forum. It's, it's, a, it's a post that got started this morning. Um, and, I, oh gosh, I should have left it up because, matter of fact, I think, uh, yes. Uh, it's, a, it's in the general community discussion section of the forum over at gspn.tv slash forum. And the title of the thread that was started this morning, uh, actually just after midnight last night, Selfish versus Protecting Yourself. All right. And this is what Amanda wrote in the forum. She says, advice, please. When is something selfish and when is it done to protect yourself? I am sure this is too esoteric of a question, so I will be concrete. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone in the, in the forums appreciates that. <laughs> exactly. Going to Bible study every Monday night is killing me. I've gone, I'm gone, let's see, I'm gone 15 hours on Mondays and I'm too tired and worn out to function. Plus, I don't have time to eat, but I'm just, but am I just being selfish? Shouldn't I gather with others to study the Bible? I'm at my wit's end. I like these people and I like the study, but I can't, let's see, but I can't keep up with the schedule. Is that okay? Do you have some stories seeking of seeking balance in your lives? Uh, it's not easy, is it? And then Kylie responded to that. She, she took a moment, read it, responded to it. And will you read what Kylie wrote in the form? Yeah, same, same Kylie. Kylie it's in the chat room. Yeah, Kylie. Yep. All right, so Kylie responded. Amanda, first of all, yes. I'd put the emphasis on there because there are caps. That's right. Yes. With an exclamation point. Yeah. It's okay. You aren't superhuman, just human. And neither do you have to be, I uh, have one of those magic item thingies that Hermione uses to be in two places at once in Harry Potter. Love the Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is difficult to find a balance. I have a friend who used to tell me that you can't take care of others if you aren't taking care of yourself. It sounds as if you are uh, a very busy woman. Here's a couple of things to consider. I listened to another podcast besides the one of the great offerings of gspn.tv called 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. Uh, One thing he said that I found very helpful is that there are only 168 hours in the week. No matter how much you'd like to add an extra hour or two, it's just not possible. So like in the Dave Ramsey budget, yes, I listen to him too, you have to prioritize. We're not all like hero on, on heroes who can bend time, and there are things that need to get done in just that time, like breathe, eat, sleep, work, etc. And an interesting exercise might be to do a zero time planning schedule just to see where you are spending your time. As to the Bible study, here's a couple of ideas just to throw the outside-the-box thoughts rolling. Sometimes I get blocked on an issue and I can't see past it. Here are some options that you may consider. Would the Bible study group consider a different night of the week? Is there another Bible study you could go to join? Uh, could you start a second Bible second Bible group on another night for other people like you who'd like to come but don't have that have other commitments on Mondays? 
uh, perhaps there's another Bible study group somewhere else that another night that might better suit your schedule. Remember too, that it never hurts to ask. All people can say is no. And if they do that, nothing has changed. And you at least tried. It's when people say yes to things that the dynamic changes. Making an effort to move forward is sometimes half the battle. And in France, as I learned, no is the only beginning of the negotiation. I hope this is helpful. Good luck and keep us posted. All right. So first of all, before and and, and then I, I have a little section down here uh, called and now for the rest of the story. Uh, but anyway, he was really wanting to get that sound by. Yeah, I but was. He couldn't, he couldn't get it in time. <laughs> I, got, I got and and I, I all I was able to find. And now, you know. The rest oh, of the story. Okay, okay. So anyway, um, but basically here, here, I, I think this is a great question and, and well thought out. And so without any more context than what was put into this one, and I, I see you reading the rest. Don't read the rest yet. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Are you reading the rest? Oh, well, yeah, I read the first sentence. Oh man. What's the first sentence? Let me see. I need your Just, advice about bad health advice. Okay. Okay. So good. That then. Don't read anything else. Don't read anything else because okay. I. I let, let's just take the context in which we have so far. Okay. And just talk about this purely from a scheduling standpoint and commitment to a small group and and feeling guilty okay. if you're not involved. So I I agree with a hundred percent of what Kylie wrote first and foremost. Sure, great suggestions. Kylie. Very good. Very good um, feedback and suggestion there, and I. I I do want to say that, you know, there's there's nothing holy about Monday night. Yeah, no, no, of course not. So so absolutely everything that she said is is 100 percent. Now, on par. Tuesdays, no, I'm checking. Yeah. Tuesday prayer night. <laughs> Wednesday's midweek warning. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, gosh. I remember the do you did, were you ever involved in any of the churches that did the, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night and Wednesday night thing? And then. Uh, and then the social stuff on the weekend, not including a Tuesday night. No, never been a part of anything. Yeah. Oh gosh. Wednesday nights. Yeah. See the, in the Nazarene church, uh, it was in, in mo- many Nazarene churches. It was, you had Sunday morning service. Yeah. Well, actually you had Sunday morning, s- Sunday school, right? Sunday morning worship service, Sunday evening worship service. Tuesday night was prayer meeting and Wednesday night was the midweek worship service. Wow. And wow. not only that, but they oftentimes had board meetings on Thursday night and on Saturday they always had some kind of social event and on Fridays back in the old days you also you also <laughs> went knocking door to door trying to convince people to ask God into their hearts well mhm so basically that church was only for retired people <laughs> 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 this is the retired people church. Yeah. So th- those were the old days. Uh, and a lot has changed since then. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do remember there was a Baptist church in my hometown that did the same thing. You know, they had they had worship, Sunday school, worship, you know, because you, know, you got early and late oh, yeah, worship yeah. services. Then um, then everyone went home for lunch and stuff like that. Then you came back for youth group. And then after youth group, they had a worship service yep. at night. And it was more of a kind of a, but I think that, I honestly think that was mainly just during revivals. They did a revival. Yeah. This, night, this was year nights, round. Well, this yeah, is year round. Stuff. And, th- and this is where, you know, what burned a lot of people out. And, and it's like, you know what? It's just like my entire life is spent in this building. 
No, and, yeah, and a lot of that, of course, was brought on by the fact that, you know, well, we own this building. It's an expensive building to heat and, and cool and whatever the type of time of the year is. So anyway, but let's get back to Amanda. I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> ah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> Amanda, I, I would I would say pretty much everything Kylie said. And and the the thing is, though, is I think because we are only getting half the story here. I do want to bring up something additional into this because 15 minutes before that was posted, okay. she had posted another message in the health, fitness, and accountability section of the forum. Oh, and from the same girl. Yeah, the same girl. Oh, same lady, the same okay. girl who asked, you know, you know, is it okay for me not to go on Monday nights? Oh, okay. Okay, so here is 15 minutes before that was posted. Here is the the other part that I think has to be brought into this conversation. It says, I need your advice about bad health advice. Uh, this friend of mine, an older lady in her 60s, keeps cons- uh, keeps cornering me after bible study and talking on and on basically telling me that i'm fat and i'm going to die well it's totally true that i weigh too much i don't need her to keep telling me (laughs) um it's not helping me at all uh i'm trying to be gracious but it has to stop what to do any ideas and a lot of what she talks about it just isn't true she believes in a lot of pseudoscience and mid-level mark or multi-level marketing scams regarding health. She tells me a lot of things that just sound stupid and wrong. I'm really passive aggressive, so it's ju- it just breaks my heart to come right out and tell her to shut up. I, th- I know that she's my friend and cares for me, but she's not helping one bit. I've, tr- I've tried just running to my car and not initiating conversation, but she always seems to be there. Uh, this might be a weird place to put this post, but I'm wondering if you all have any ideas. Uh, have you had, um, let's see, have you had people try to help you on your journey to get healthy that just aren't helping? <laughs> I responded to her and oh, cool. and, and the, I responded to the, the health advice before I knew about the other section uh, asking about, you know, is Monday nights, is it okay to just go somewhere else on Monday night? So um, I I know a lot of people. I've never had people who were trying to give me health advice. Saying I've had people say, "Gosh, Cliff, you need to lose some weight. If you don't lose some weight, and it's usually just my mom, you know. <laughs> thanks, so, mom. Thanks, mom. Uh, but I agree, you know. And there are some people who you've added a couple pounds. You've lost a couple pounds. And, you know, it's like come on, just leave me alone. I'm just trying to get healthy. <laughs> All right. So, um, but the deal is, is that um, I have had people who have given me spiritual health advice spiritual health advice yes meaning gosh cliff you sure are leading a high fructose corn syrup diet uh you know you got a lot of high carbs in your spiritual intake don't you you know what i'm saying just those kind of things and it's like if you you know if you don't do this you're gonna die spiritually you're gonna just ruin your 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 witness for Christ and stuff like that. So I've certainly had because only good looking people can share Christ. <laughs> well, the, I'm talking about <laughs> spiritually good looking people. Oh, okay, okay. Spiritual. So it's all in the spiritual health realm. Oh, okay. So that's the closest I could relate to her story here. But I've certainly felt the guilt and conviction brought on up by people who look at my life and say, "Wow." I don't think that you're very healthy. You need to do something about it. And let me give you 15 ways that if you would just follow yeah. my steps, yeah. you're going to be a better person. And then I'll accept you. 
Yeah. And that's not healthy. No, 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 no. That's not healthy. And and so the reason why I wanted to bring these two things together, because obviously uh, this lady happens. You, I'm just concluding here that this lady this that's not being very helpful, that she even admittedly says, I'm really passive aggressive and right. I'm uncomfortable being around her. It has to be the same lady that happens to be in this Monday night Right, Bible study right. group, which that, would add to the frustration of going there because it's tiring and exactly. So sure. now you have the whole picture here, and I would say that everything that Kylie says still absolutely wonderful advice. Oh sure, yeah. The only thing is, is regardless if you decide to go to to find some way to stay in this group or to go into another group, the thing is, is that my own personal suggestion is to you even state that. Um, this person is a friend. I know she really cares for me and stuff like that. My suggestion is not that you go and say, uh, just tell her to shut up, come right out and tell her to shut up. Right. However, I want to, I want to suggest this for everybody listening, not just for uh, Amanda who wrote this, but for everybody listening, don't take the passive aggressive route. Don't just do the avoidance because you know what? Eventually you're going to come across somebody else in that next Bible study group that's maybe not going to do this, but they're going to do something else. And if we continue to take the passive aggressive route and aggressive route, (laughs) if we continue to avoid people in conflict, we'll never grow as a church. And so my suggestion, uh, and I I shared this in the health section of the forum, is to number one, Pray for yourself and make sure you understand where you are concerning this matter. That's, you know, why is this so hurtful? Why are these words so frustrating? And decide for yourself what it is God's laying on your heart for you. What's God speaking to you about your health? And, and, I, and what I think are that would your be decisions? easy for her because, I mean, she already knows herself pretty well that she knows she's passive aggressive and, yep. uh, you know, and she's honest about, about, you know, her weight or whatever else. I mean, so I think that would be one of an easier thing for her to be able to do is just be able to say, you know, okay, you know, let's. I mean, let me, and that is, that's the great thing about praying about it is it allows you to take a step back from it and allows you to be able to see things from God's point of view. And I think that's very, very helpful. Anytime you're done with anything in life, if you can be able to separate yourself away from it and be able to say, God, let me see how you see this. Let me hear how you would hear this and show me how I can be able to bring, you know, your voice and your love and grace and everything else into the midst of this conversation. And it's not, and then it turns not into conflict but it becomes it becomes resolving understanding, right? And you, so your mindset is not even towards conflict. Now it's towards resolving, and it, it just it it completely spins it to a direction that is good and healthy and not selfish. It's selfless. Exactly. It's not that you're doing a defense of yourself. You're doing you're you're out for the purpose of reconciling a relationship, right? Exactly. And and that's what's amazing. And and I just want to speak from my own experience because I, I want to take the the spotlight off of somebody else's issue and put it on some of maybe my own in the past. Well, wait, I just want to make a comment. Yeah, here. go ahead. It says that she's just tried running to her car and not initiating conversation. Well, if you keep on running your to your car, you're gonna lose weight. There you go. So this lady, she could be helping you if you just keep on running to your Nice. Car. Nice. <laughs> or, and it does say that she's always seems to be there, just run her over. You know, if she's just going to be there and you're already in your car. I'm just joking. Totally joking. <laughs> she's in the chat room. She just put a big old smiley face there. So so let me let me just go ahead and give you an example of my own. I'm trying to think of what I did, but um, I, I used to lead 
I used to be uh, the small group pastor of our church where I would actually be responsible for shepherding and, and caring and, 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 and helping people who were leading small group Bible studies. Okay. And I recall, I can't remember exactly what it is that I did, but I said something extremely insensitive, okay. extremely insensitive. And I said it in front of a group of people that it, it just wasn't the right place, the right time, and and it was absolutely. I was dead set. I was wrong for saying what I did. Now it embarrassed one of my leaders, which, if you know anything about leading, that's something you just don't do. Sure. Okay. Not. And and at me being not me me being not perfect, I I I completely made that mistake, and I learned the hard way. And it this, sounds like, by the way, it sounds like an op, uh, an episode of The Office. Is that right? Because <laughs> the head guy's always saying things. It's like horribly embarrassing. Yeah. yeah well, th- I, I said something and I just said it and just and I said it as a joke and everybody else took it as a joke except for the person I embarrassed. Right, and, right. and and so um, what happened was this person didn't come to me and tell me that I had hurt them. They told somebody else and sure. eventually it came back to me and I'm like. What do I do? You know, and I felt weird. You you talk about feeling weird. It's like I did not want to go and say I'm sorry. I didn't want to acknowledge this. I, you know, there was this tendency for me to be passive aggressive and to say, you know what, I I bet you if I just go and just gloss over and pretend like this never happened, I bet you anything I can be able to continue on this relationship with this person. This person, I know they're never going to approach me about it. They're never right. going to come come to me and say. I've been hurt by you. I, I just right. knew the person personally. Sure. It's not within them to say that. So, so here's the deal: is is I I knew that I did something wrong, and rather than it, it was tearing me up inside, but rather than saying, you know what, I'm just going to ignore this. We're just going to move forward, and I'll make sure I never do that again. God made it so clear in my heart that I needed to to acknowledge the fact that I did something wrong and that I needed to reconcile that relationship with this person. Sure. It was the most, it was the most difficult thing I had ever done in all my years of ministry. I mean, it, you talk about hard, just, I, I had to go and I said, you know what? I need to call this person and I need to ask them if we can meet for lunch. And I want to personally face to face express to them that, you know what? The other day or a couple of weeks ago, we got together, we were in this gathering and I said this and I want you to know, I have no idea why I said that. I I sure. I I unfortunately did something wrong, and I went through it. And I want to tell you that relationship with that person right now is almost. It's probably stronger than most any other relationship I have with any of the other people I've ever led in that position before. And it was somebody that I was just hardly connected to at all. Right. And because of that. That going straight to that person and saying, you know what, I was wrong or I I know that I've hurt you. When you approach conflict instead of avoiding it, it has so, there's so much power in that. And if there's anything that I've noticed from the outs, we're talking about the perspective of the outside work world looking into the church. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what shows Jesus Christ is real. Yeah. When the outside world sees us not avoiding conflict, but taking it head on and saying, you know what, I am not going to allow this to destroy a relationship. Yeah. And I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to reconcile. Reconciliation doesn't come naturally to us. Right. Call them up, say, hey, I've been baking some humble pie and I want to eat it in front of you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So and it may <laughs> and it may take you uh, it may take you a couple hours, may take you a couple of days, sure. may even take you a couple of weeks. It, and 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 this isn't just for Amanda anymore. This is whoever you are, wherever you are. Are you hurt by somebody? You know, pray about that situation and and always try to take the road of reconciliation versus avoiding conflict. Right, exactly. And that's and that's the high road. I mean, that's that is definitely the road that's less traveled. <laughs> Jesus, and I think that's what Christ would, would desire of His church. You know, He wants us to be able to be known. I mean, they'll know that you are my, you know, my disciples because you love one another. And if there is a conflict, whether it's passive aggressive conflict or straight up conflict or just someone being wrong, whoever it is, it's willing to be able to say, "Hey, listen, I don't understand where you're coming from, and we might disagree, but I just want to make sure that we are on the same page." And um, and you know, it's just there is a huge i mean i can't even express to you how huge of a conflict that's going on in a church that i was at in lexington kentucky first methodist church in lexington kentucky and uh they did they fired the music organist that had been there for billions of years and i mean it's gone so bad that they had a front page in the lexington herald about it wow i mean and my first response is how does anyone who's not a part of the church Look at this. They're seeing, you know, a church that's been around for, you know, a long, long time. Uh, they're in, in just in complete conflict, just complete conflict. And it's, and it's, and it really is. I mean, there's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of mistakes that have made, but the mistakes that have made, are they willing to be able to own up to it and say, Hey, we made a mistake here, but this dude is, you know, or, or this lady is a jerk. There's no other words to say, you know, or whatever else, you know, and just, and you have to be able to live through that and be able to work through those things. But when it becomes the front page news yeah, of, you know, in a secular, you know, newspaper, whatever else, and it is the newspaper of the town. I mean, oh my gosh, this is, this is horribly sad. Yeah. And I know, and I know that the people that have been hurt by this took it to the paper. They didn't even take it to the people. Right. They ran to the paper and they've been putting up signs everywhere. Don't go to this church, blah, blah, blah. blah. This is horrible. I mean, it is that bad. I've yeah. never seen anything like that before. Right. In my entire life. It's crazy. Well, uh, so, and if anything, you know, the advice, the advice here is, is don't ever avoid conflict, you know, avoid it for a time to get your heart right. Well, yeah, I think that's right. I, like Tiffany, for example, my wife, she's phenomenal with, with dealing with conflict. And I look up to her, honestly, a lot because she can deal with it really, really well. And and she basically, like we've had an issue in our life that was a pretty it was a pretty rough issue. I mean, these people were really good friends of ours and they just kind of dropped off uh, the face of the planet. And um, and the girl, you know, this one couple, the, the, the girl of the couple – you know, Tiffany would just, she said, well, I want to talk about it because I'm tired of it. And Tiffany's like, I can't right now. And the reason I can't is because I know that the words that are going to come out of my mouth are from Tiffany and yep. not from God. Yep. So if you need that time to mm-hmm. take it into real, and like I said earlier, back out of it, take a step back and figure out what God would want you to say. That's the purpose of praying about it and things like that. Then you can be able to go to that person with a right heart and a right mind with really honestly loving them and say, okay, you know, this is. These are the mistakes that I made. This is how I felt with some of the stuff you did. And just, you know, bring out reconciliation. In the midst of it. Absolutely. So, yes. And, and definitely when it comes to the, the first part, you know, that we addressed is, is definitely you 15 hours away uh, from the house, you know, during the day. It, obviously, that's going to 
to add to the frustration and, and you're tired, you're wore out. It's probably not the best time to deal with people and stuff, right. you know, and, and I, and I assume that she's going to church on top of this Bible study. Like this is, this is on top of yeah, the church. And so, uh, you know, so maybe God's telling you that you need some alone time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to spend that time just relaxing and taking a sabbatical. I mean, you know, in the, in the true sense of sabbatical is not that you just, it, it really is just take a break. If you like to quilt, then go quilt. Mm-hmm. You know, you can quilt with God. You can fly fish with God. You, you know, you can, you can, you don't have to do these things that you think are supposed to be holy, holy things. Why don't you look for God in the midst of those things that you actually enjoy doing? You know, right. Not, not self-destructive things. <laughs> right. But, you know, just find out those things that you actually love to do, photography or whatever else it is. Maybe it's just sitting down and just vegging in front of a TV and just saying, you know, laughing with some sitcom with God. <laughs> right. But I, I think that those are very, very important things. And I think and what I hear in this is you need a sabbatical. Yeah. It's probably not just Monday. Your whole life feels like it's blown up. Right. And and what I hear from that is, man, just go spend some time with God. Yeah. And, and but it needs this- to be alone time as well as community time. I mean, you need to have both. Right. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that has been helpful. And, and I can tell in the chat room that uh, that it has been. Yeah. All right. So we last week um, start played the first half of a voicemail from Tess. And we talked mm-hmm. talked about the concept of biblical authority. And I just want to point out real quickly at the end of that episode, I said the phrase, well, I hope we answered your question. And the fact is she didn't ask a question. We <laughs> She was just making some statements, which absolutely is true. Um, and But the thing it's is... It's just a statement that you're used to doing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, no and, and one she, thinks any less of and she And she didn't necessarily point it out. It's like, well, gosh, Cliff, I hope you understand. I wasn't asking for your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that. But... Uh, but the thing is, is that it, it, it was something that I wanted to address and, and talk about. Sure. And uh, in fact, uh, she had sent you and I some correspondence afterwards mm-hmm. um, regarding her feedback from that show. Some very great feedback. I know she's reading the book that you told her about and has some great insights that she's already uh, picked up from it. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I have recently come in contact with my uh, with a former pastor. Uh, somebody that used to be my pastor years ago, and um, he and I have reconnected. He's recently been late or uh, let go from his job, mm-hmm. and he is in the process of learning what his new opportunities are. And one of the things that now he he was a pastor, and then he left to go into the secular uh, workforce, and now he's finding himself trying to vet where he's going to go next, and he's thinking about doing something in the realm of. Uh, ministry consulting work and stuff like that, but also has a strong desire to um, do something in the realm of helping people to logically think about God, you know, and, and, and saying it, you know, it makes sense to believe in God kind of like a brain. Exactly. Kind of like a Lee Strobel kind of, kind of, uh, you know, approach to, to, uh, uh, I guess, apologists. Yeah. Apologetics, which is apologetics. Yeah. Defending, defending the faith. God. Exactly. And so basically, uh, that's something he's been thinking about. He started a blog recently. Uh, he and I had uh, breakfast a couple weeks back, and uh, he is going to come in Tuesday because he wants to record a podcast with me. And I invited him, and I think what we'll do is we'll probably record it as an episode of About the Church because there's really no other podcast that it'd fit into. Sure. And Wait, Thursday or Tuesday? He's coming in Thursday. Okay, you said Tuesday. It's, it's, oh, did I say Tuesday? Yeah, that's, okay. that's what I wanted to show you. I want yeah. to make sure. I was like, well, cool, he's going to be here with us. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I, I'll invite him to come join us sometime. Yeah, That'd not? be awesome. That'd be cool. 
but uh, he's going to come in and he asks, you know, is there anything I should prepare for? And I said, you know what? There's a, gr- you know, knowing what it is that you desire to do. Um, here's an email that I got re- recently regarding um, the thought of defending scripture using quote unquote scripture to defend itself. Mm-hmm. And and here are two podcast episodes. And I gave him last week's and I gave him one from a couple weeks ago. I said, if you would do me a favor and listen to these two podcasts, you'll get a great feel for who our audience is, the kind of feedback, the kind of questions that we have, the way that we've kind of been approaching it. And I'd love for you to come and be willing to share some kind of explain to me why should I um, why should I believe in the Bible? You know, what can you give a defense of Scripture as being a, a, a source of authority from God? You know, out, you know, outside the source of just using the Bible to quote itself, right, you know, through right. historical context or mm-hmm. whatever that case may be. And he said, absolutely. So he's going to come in on Thursday now, Professor Allen's asking, is it going to be a live recording? That I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know yet. So um, just be following us on Twitter, twitter.com slash GSPN, and uh, we'll uh, check on that. Is to, the video or feed I'll, not working? I don't know. Is the video feed not working? Anyway. We'll hold on. I'll tell you what. I'll pause for one second. Okay. And we're back. All right. It looks like it must have just froze on somebody. Uh, But we're up and running. So uh, anyway, I just want to let folks know we are I'm going to be bringing somebody in. It'll be a special episode of About the Church. Cool. And before we play the second half of Tessa's voicemail, um, DG, I just want to make an announcement real quickly. Uh, I don't know if it was Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, when it was. Uh, but sometime between the last episode and this episode, I woke up in my inbox to find a PayPal notice that somebody had made a payment for sponsorship of the About the Church podcast for an entire year. Entire year. An entire year. They basically said that, hey, I would like to anonymously, I'd like to remain anonymous and uh, donate um, basically $100 a month for the next 12 months for the about the wow. church podcast. And so I just want to say thank you to this anonymous donor mm-hmm. for this uh wonderful gift and I can tell you it's such a huge blessing uh to to what we're doing here and and it, it's just amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And and what we have to remember each week is that it's the same sponsor we had that sponsored four episodes in the past. All right. And all this person asks is that uh, as a sponsorship or as a, as a sponsor message is that he asks that each of us make a point sometime during this week to pray for a local church in your area that is not your own. Right. So that is that is our sponsorship message of the week. You can pray for other things. You but can just pr- make sure that's one of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> please, exactly. Please. Alrighty, so uh, let's go on to About the Church Feedback from Tess, Part 2. In other words, how much authority do we place in the Bible as it's come down to us? And how easily do we let ourselves overrule scripture in our own mind in favor of our own understanding of compassion and mercy? Some Christians seem to feel that it's automatic that if one comes to belief in God and Jesus Christ, one also accepts every word of at least one of the modern translations of the Bible to be true and divinely inspired. I can say, though, that when I fell in love with Jesus and his teachings and believed in God, I never quite managed the leap to accepting biblical authority. It just doesn't logically follow. 
follow for me. God permits apparent imperfection in every aspect of our existence, so why should we assume that our current favourite Bible translation is perfect and true for all time? Does one simply accept that whatever we have as our Bible now must be the true word of God, simply because it's the one we have? And by definition, God wouldn't have allowed it any other way. What about the books that were dropped from the Bible as not entirely sound? And why are we no longer able to exercise judgment in that same way? Did all human moral development cease in the 5th century? I struggle to see the logic by which a questioning mind could come to accept the current Bible as eternally inerrant truth. I envy those who can accept it, but for me, I follow Christ's teachings because they seem wise and correct and helpful, not because I believe in and fear hellfire and damnation. It doesn't bother me whether Jesus was resurrected, or walked on water, or whether he healed the sick, or even whether he claimed to be God. The only thing I know for sure is that I want to be like him. Some Christians will immediately say that one must accept the whole Bible as true to be a Christian because otherwise there are no boundaries and one can pick and choose whatever one likes and discard the rest. What authority do we submit to if not to scripture? But surely this assumes that the Bible is in fact 100% true and correct and perfect, which doesn't help those of us who don't get it. And if the Bible is as flawed as the humans that wrote it down, then the more dangerous approach is to accept it all as true without judging every chapter and verse against our inner sense of right and wrong. So it seems like the only way to truly accept the Bible as true is by faith. The Mormons state this explicitly about their own holy book. They ask you to read the Book of Mormon and then to ask God for an inner testimony that it's true. What Jesus taught, though, I feel, was never about accepting some revelatory tract on a direct hotline from heaven. It was a teaching about loving God, loving your neighbour, living simply and humbly, avoiding greed and selfishness, and forgiving as many times as necessary with grace and compassion. I just don't feel like I need to accept a long series of scriptures as perfectly true in order to commit to trying to live that out. And it's a real shame that other people insist that I must, because I can't accept the authority of the Bible in all aspects, no matter how much I might want to because there are some teachings in it that seem less than morally perfect as if they were written by men not by God. This inability to accept the Bible's authority means that I'm unable to fully participate in Christian community or grow through mutual discipleship so it's a huge deal for me. At the end of it all I guess my question is this. How have you been able to accept biblical authority and truth? And why do you find it necessary to do so in order to follow Jesus in community? I love and respect you guys very much, and I hope you'll accept these questions in the spirit of honest inquiry in which they're intended. I'll sign off by saying thank you once again for the wonderful honesty with which you both discuss your faith. I think both of you are terrific role models, and I'd be honoured to be part of any church in which you are leaders. Tess, the, the one thing I have to say is that I would love to accept you into my Christian community and, <laughs> and, and in fact, I believe that you are. Uh, but obviously you're, you're talking about even in a local church kind of gathering setting, uh, community. And, and you know what? I will tell you that at Watermark, we have, and, and I, and I know the, I know for a fact the same exact thing is true of DG's organic gatherings that he does, that we both are involved heavily in churches where our community, the actual, the body and community of the church is made up of people who are still wrestling with things that you are wrestling with. And and I don't think that because you struggle to accept the entire word of God as a, a and, and its authority, um, I don't think that keeps you from being fully involved in 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 the community of of discipleship. And, well, I want to clarify, it okay. shouldn't. It shouldn't. And that's that's the key. Yes. It should not. There should be a place in every church that that claims to be a Christian church 
for allowing people to wrestle with who Christ is and why Christ and why and why church and why God and why Holy Spirit and things like that. I mean, there there should be a place for that. And uh, sadly, I think it hasn't. And this is gonna this is not necessarily gonna address the exact thing that she's talking about. But one of the things that I think that everyone needs to understand is everyone has a I think they have a flawed understanding of number one disciple. Because the true understanding of a disciple is really just a pupil, like a, a, a teacher. A student. Let, is Jesus a teacher? Oh, and, okay. are, are, and are you willing to be able to be a, his disciple, uh-huh. to be his student, to be his pupil, or to be, um, oh, what do you call it, an apprentice? It really has that understanding. And everyone thinks that you have to be a disciple, and what a disciple means is someone that, who has accepted Christ, and you know, you've already had this conversion experience, and now you're moving on you know, towards sanctification. And I think that that's wrong. It's a really, really bad understanding. And I think that, like, in the very early church, and I'm talking like uh, 4th, 7th century, Justin, um, some of the earliest writings we have of what worship looked like was the catechism, was, you know, was basically baptism and stuff like that. But their 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 catechism or confirmation is the way it's said in most Protestant churches. Uh, they had a better understanding that it was it was a four year process or even longer, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it really wasn't necessarily okay. This has to be done in three months. This has to be done in a year or something else like that. It really was. It's you and you have a mentor, and you talk with that mentor constantly. Yes, and then you two go before a group of people who have said, "Hey, we are Christians," and they ask the mentor, "Do you think this person is a Christian? Are are they living out Christ's ideals with their words and their thoughts and their actions and their family and 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 all these and all these are all these things happening?" And they would say, "No, not yet, not yet. We're, we still need a little bit more time." And they're like, "Cool, that's great, awesome. Enjoy enjoy living that life together and, and enjoy living together." And, and I mean, it was <laughs> it was it yeah. really was that that way. And so I think we need to understand that there we need to make room in Christianity in modern Christianity for a a time of pre-discipleship that could be multiple years and then have an understanding of conversion whenever the Holy Spirit lays that on their heart to be able to have a conversion. And then you have a post-discipleship as well that's after a conversion understanding of discipleship. We're not providing opportunities as a church most of the time to allow people to wrestle with who Christ is and who they are and what what does that relationship look like. We're not doing a good job of that, and I think we need to do better jobs of that. Yeah, so right. anyway, that's a side note, but I wanted to make sure. Sure, I no, that I, on, that, so. that totally makes sense because you know, and, and it and it flies right in the face of what I was talking about earlier. The fact that you know, I remember being invited to go with the church to, on Tuesday nights to go or whatever night of the week to go and knock door to door. And sitting down in people's living room, and and it was called visitation, and we would go, uh, or I don't know if they called it visitation or something else, but anyway, um, but anyway, we would knock on door to door, and we would ask if we can come in and pray with them, and we'd have a conversation, and we would always that conversation was always steered towards trying to get them to answer the question, where are you going to spend eternity if you die tonight, and. You know, and and, and, and getting them to accept Christ. And then all of a sudden, we want to invite you to come to our church, start living your life as a disciple of Christ. Right. And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit more to it than this. Exactly. And the same thing can be said of of all the altar calls in the entire world. When you say you have a revival, and the the older mindset it is to have a revival so we can have an altar call so people can accept Christ. And then we start discipleship. There There was a time when Jesus walking from one town and village to the other... And he had literally hundreds of people. He turned around. And he says, listen, I want you to understand it's not going to be an easy road. What we're about to face is, is going to be tough stuff. And if any of you wants to turn them back now, now's the time to do it. 
And you know what? Some of those people turned away. Now, those people were very interested. They were investigating. But at that point in time, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be a cost to being my disciple. Do you want to continue to the next level? And and so there, it shows even the people who were following Jesus at the time and sat under his teaching, investigating, learning that that even he allowed them to be a part of the community, a part of the discussion even. Right, sure. Well, so. you know, I want to address Professor A. He basically just says, or, or Professor Allen, <laughs> I'm used to saying Dr. A. Yeah. Professor Allen says, those ancients before 300 AD at least separated the church service into public elements open to everyone and private members only elements. Is that a model you're comfortable with today? Is what he said. And I, and I want to say that I think the main reason they did that, well, number one, you're dealing with the very early church that was persecuted. Mm-hmm. So, you really honestly had to deal. Is this going to be someone who's trying to infiltrate us as like a spy just to be able to say, Oh my gosh, they're against Caesar. We need to, we need to, you know, kill them all or whatever else they had to decide. Is this someone that's not going to, you know, tell us that, that we should be killed and rat us all out and feed us to the lions or whatever. And so I think that's one of the reasons they, they, they were persecuted. They had to meet right. in houses and they had to meet under cloak, the cloak of darkness, whatever else. And, and number two, I think honestly, the reason that they separated some of the stuff out and the stuff, the stuff they separated out was baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they would get, they would get nude. I mean, they, they weren't wearing any clothes for baptism because they understood that it was new life. It really was like you were a brand new baby coming out of a mother's womb because of all this water. I mean, you used to be in water in a womb. Now you get, I mean, and it had all these elements and they wanted to make sure that everyone knew what that stuff was. And they didn't, and uh, and communion's a perfect example. People thought that we were all cannibals. Right. Because what they're saying, they're eating the blood and body of this guy named Jesus. <laughs> they got to be cannibals. And so you got to have, you have to understand that there is some things that were put in place at that time because they knew that it would be misunderstood unless that they understood what was going on. Right. And I still know a lot of churches today that say, listen, I really don't want you to come and be a part of communion unless you really understand what this is. Right. Because, you know, because of those things. Now, Wesley was a person who believed that you could find out what those things were in the midst of taking care. Right. Um, but so is, is that a model that I'm comfortable with today? I, you know, I think that, um, I, I'm still a big grace guy. So I think I'd be more comfortable with allowing, you know, anybody and everybody to be able to come experience what communion is like, but I really don't want to do that unless it's been explained to them and through a relationship with somebody else. If they're just doing it to do it, I, you know, I, I would have issues. Right. You're cheapening the remembrance and the purpose of this new covenant. Right. And uh, especially with the history that we have with, with, with the Jews. I mean, the Jews were beautiful at remembering stuff. Yeah. I mean, they said, we're going to make a covenant. And, uh, well, the first one, they were, <laughs> they cut off the foreskin. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you will remember <laughs> every time you use the bathroom or try to copulate, you'll remember that my covenant is being made <laughs> in, in with, through you, which makes it, it's so ironic that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And they're like, Oh, by the way, cut off the organ that you use <laughs> to be able to be a father, <laughs> not completely off, but yeah, not on I- it. But, you know, it's just, wah, but that makes it part of the beautiful thing, too. But they always did stuff like, like if they had to remember something, they'd put it in their food laws. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I think Jacob's a perfect example. That. He's wrestling with, with this man slash God or whatever it is at this, at this place. And he touches his hip and his hip, get, you know, and then they Dislocated. say, and they say, and to this day, we don't eat that tendon that connects the bone to the hip because it reminds us of 
of where we come from and, wow. who, and who it is. I, I think that's a beautiful kind of understanding of covenant. So anyway, I, I don't know. There's probably a place for it, honestly. Um, but where that place is and what that place is, it needs to be discerned by a group right. of people in the Holy Spirit. And, right, then, so go back. and then we go, back, go back to, to the, the whole uh, high church versus, versus low church kind of stuff as well. Yeah, you could. Yeah. 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 I mean, because this is where that's I think that that's that's where that's the beginning of high church. You right. know, it, right. it's where it could it's literally start again. Anyway, um, so the, the as far as the, you know, p- Christians who who accept the Bible, one of the things is I want to just say I am a believer in Christ who accepts the Bible completely as inspired by God. At the same time, which one? What's what do you mean? Which Bible? The the Bible, the 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 Word of God. Okay, which translation? Uh, I'll play devil's advocate. I, I, I that's fine. I, I will I will let you play devil's advocate. <laughs> the one that was originally given to us uh, by God, inspired through men, inspired through some through translations, re- and I recognize that in the translation. That fallible man and imperfect man has made imperfect translations. For example, there are some translations that I actually enjoy reading that I find to be, uh, I think the NIV is one of them that has, a, in my understanding, a complete inaccurate statement uh, in uh, one of the Old Testament books where it says a prostitute came before uh, uh king solomon to plead her case so basically king solomon was kind of like the judge of the days like you know somebody has offended me or done something wrong to me blah 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 and the and the old testament says that uh, a prostitute one day became or came before king solomon and brought her case against somebody who had done something against her okay and the thing is is that um Contextually, that doesn't make sense because it states that that a prostitute, a, a, an actual prostitute, would never have been allowed to come before King Solomon um, or or a king of that day. But instead, a, a more appropriate translation of that word would be a woman, a, a professional woman, a woman who actually was involved in owning a business. Oh, okay. Okay, so so that is, I mean, that's just so. While there may be inaccuracies in the translation, sure. What I do believe in is the inspired word of God in such a way that this is handed down God's story through the from the beginning of time through the the birth of the church and the persecution of the church that God has given us given us this story. Now, do I believe that that Adam and Eve wrote down some daily journals what happened on the first seven days? No, I believe that God inspired Mo. Was it Moses? Yeah. That's the traditional understanding of Moses for the I be, Pentateuch. I, I, be, I, you know, and if it if it wasn't Moses, I believe God inspired somebody. But I, my personal belief is that God inspired Moses to write down the story that he's telling. Say, listen, this is now was Moses perfect? Absolutely not. So, but but the thing is, is I do believe that these things were handed down to us as a means of understanding who God is. I believe God wanted to communicate to us. And I was talking with my prayer partner this week, and and I said something, and, and I oversimplified it completely. And, and you guys will think, and it's I, I recognize this as oversimplifying it. But I said, you know, if God wanted to give us a book to tell us the story of who he is and, and what his plans are and what his will for our lives is, if he wanted to give us a book, he understands that we're imperfect people, 
and that imperfect humans would be translating it from de- from one generation to the next from what he i mean god is not so small that if you wanted to give us a book uh god understands that there are multiple languages and that some, I, I think god would have understand that some words exist in one language that don't have translations in another language mm-hmm. my understanding and my belief is that god's big enough that if he wanted to give us a book that he would work through the process of imperfect people mm. to give us and be able to communicate us communicate to us with with that book or with these teachings or with these words and i don't think it's the book itself that brings authority or or that speaks to me alone it is the it is the spirit of god that has that dwells within me that brings those words and the purpose alive and 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 it confirms it's a place that i go for confirmation it's the place i go for to to confirm truth and to test spirits and to test w- words of wisdom and and to t- it's the place i go for for those things now because of that i do want to say that um it's not that I don't question the word of God. In fact, I, I will be honest with you, even as a believer, even as a minister, uh, there were times I went to my pastor. As a matter of fact, one of the, the pastor that's going to be here on Thursday. Uh, I even went to him one day when I, when for the very first time I recognized uh, in the in the in the book of Acts before they had uh, decided who Matthias would replace Judas. Mm-hmm. And after Judas had um, had had already committed suicide, mm-hmm. in between there, there is a story that says, and then the 12 came together and did this. And I'm like, then the what? <laughs> then the who? The 12? What are you talking you about? Mean the, the 11? 12? You mean it, it was the 11. <laughs> it wasn't the 12. And so I, I still question scripture. I, I still... Say what is this? Why is this here? And 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 on my and you know along the wall here, uh, DG can look at it and see it. Uh, there's a there's a wall over there with about probably nine, ten, eleven different translations of the Bible. And next to that are John Wesley's notes on everything he investigated in the New Testament. And over here on this wall in front of me is a one to a five volume set of the New Testament notes of the expositors uh, Bible commentary. Because when I come across something in the Bible and it doesn't make sense to me, I want to I want to know, has uh, have other people wrestled with whether or not this makes sense, whether or not this is an error in the Bible? Is this a foul? You know, is this and, and I will tell you the the Bible Every time I come down to something that I think is inaccurate, when you compare this story, as a matter of fact, uh, this morning, Luke, let me let me go to the the book of Luke, okay? Okay. Luke chapter three, uh, baptism of Jesus. Okay, so basically, here is Luke chapter three, verse nineteen. John also publicly criticized Herod, criticized Herod Antipas, ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. In verse 20, so Herod put John in prison, adding to the sin of uh, many, adding to this sin, uh, to adding this sin to his many others. So in verse 20, it says that Herod puts John in prison. Verse 21 talks about the baptism of Jesus, which John performs. Okay. Do you see? <laughs> so is that, does, okay. It's like, oh man, well, that obviously Luke's got his story all messed up because 
in other portions in the other gospels, it clearly indicates that John is the one who did perform that. And here, uh, Luke is telling us that happened after Jesus was baptized after this. So it's while there may be inaccuracies or seeming inaccuracies, when you go through and you learn about the, the stuff, there is reasons for some of these things. And, and, and I have not come to the point where my faith in scripture is shaken. And I do, I do want to say that, um, she says, the only way that I can see that, you know, accepting uh, biblical authority is by faith alone. And I, I, that's what I'm hoping uh, that, you know, she's seeing through the book that you recommended uh, that you'll probably mention again. But also I'm hoping that my, uh, my previous pastor will be able to come in and talk about the, you know, is it possible to logically through historical context to have some more things to back up our faith in scripture other than just simply simple faith. And, right. and, uh, and I do want to say that I am, I, I keep meaning to do this cause this has been wrestling through my mind ever since it's been brought up again here. But, uh, Andy Stanley from North point, uh, ministries, uh, North point church. He did an entire series a long time ago about um, how the scriptures, you, you can't argue that the scriptures aren't what they are because of what, because of historical context, because of this, because of that. And he gave, it's like, I, cause I had these questions, even, even 15 years into my Christianity, I still wrestled with some of these questions. How do, you know, who gets to decide what books get tossed out? I don't care if you're a group of 15 or 25 or 30 men and your heart's in the right place. Who gets to decide? I had those questions. Sure. And when I listened to Andy Stanley's message, I don't, and the thing is, is it was probably two years ago now, but when I heard it, it's like, wow, okay, enough said. I, 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 that makes perfect sense. Mm. And I'm going to find that eventually. I will find it. And <laughs> whatever. Put in the show notes. And, and I will definitely eventually get that to you guys. That's cool. So that's all of mine. Now, DG, take it away. No, I mean, I, no, I, I think that it's it's very important thing to be able to wrestle with, and I think that um, you know, like I said, the book that I suggested last week is a great book, and a lot of that, a lot of that book basically just says uh, the reason some of that stuff was thrown out was there all they did is canonize the books that were already being read in the churches. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> the churches had already uh, through discernment and through you know listening to the Spirit found out, hey, this is the one that we are using, um, and you know, and so. And then you read, you know, the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary or something like that, and you read those things, you're going, wait a second, this is just not, you know, this is just not the thought. Um, and Tirat, the last word, uh, is one of the books, um, like I said, I don't have my laptop here today, I can't find it, it was really, really quick, but you can go to the Amazon and type in N.T. Wright and read all the book titles, and you'll figure out which one's the one that... It's like right. beyond the Bible war, wars or something like that. Right. And I think he wrote it in response to all of the, I mean, and it was a huge hiccup uh, in for postmodernism and, and for Christians when Dan, uh, Dan, is Dan Brown? Dan Brown. And the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. When it, when it basically brought up this to the forefront of how, how dare we in our very postmodern thinking, I'm not going to let anybody else decide for me. I'm the one that decides what truth is and what, what's right and what's wrong. And and heaven forbid you don't trust other people or you or you don't think that the Holy Spirit's involved in some of that stuff, and so you know you become the center of what truth is and where truth is, if there is if there even is absolute truth, right? Uh, in the midst of that, so and, and so I think that's a that's a great book, and you know and I, and I, to be honest with you, I, I'm not 
I, I don't have, I think I've got like two or three other books. If you want to get really deep into it, I bought them and it was even, it was even a tough read for me. Right. And so I, I think I found what I was looking for and just kind of put it on the shelf. I really should just go back and read through it all the way through. But, right. um, but you know, the canon is, it's an important question. It needs to be dealt with. I, I think so. Issued. I think so. And she did confirm that, that the actual book by N.T. Wright that is, is it, the title is the last word. The subtitle right. is okay, that's getting beyond the okay. Bible wars. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and just, can I just say that, you know, I, I have not come across anything in the Bible that, that conflicts with, there, there are so many times, can I just share that outside of the, the, the historical context and the biblical authority and, and, and proving it and stuff like that, can I just say that in my years of ministry, I have personally received comfort and peace that is inex- inexplicable and in- inexplainable and is that right uh inexplicable i don't know <laughs> anyway uh that through reading the scripture there there have been times when when i have sensed you know reading a story it's like oh my gosh this is what god is clearly communicating to me but the thing is is i've also explained you know experienced that through talking with a friend Sure. And 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 stuff, and, and and that's why I say it, it's not just the words alone, but it's through the Spirit of God that makes words become living and active and sharper than any two double-edged sword or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, and I, and I think also like one of the things that I also heard in her email was this perfectly true. The statement she said is this: How can this be perfectly true? And I think that is the, you know that that is that's the that's the statement of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. How can you be able to say that this is absolute truth beyond a shadow of doubt, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, what you what you, the question should be, well, is what do you mean by perfectly true? I mean, I know we're getting into semantics, but it's true. I mean, what do you mean by absolute truth? And and are you basically really trying to say um, that you believe that um, every word is correct? And I think this is what she was getting at. Every word is perfect, Um but then, she, but then her answer is, well, which translation are you reading? Right. <laughs> and okay, well, the Greek and Hebrew. Let's go back to the original Greek and Hebrew, and some Aramaic in there. And but even those words have multiple meanings, just like yep. any other language. And you have to read it within context. And, and and even in that context, it can be it can be understood two different ways. So how do you, or three different ways, four different ways? And so how do you understand that? And and I, you know, I think that I I personally go back to the quadrilateral. I think Wesley had a really good thing going there by saying you do take scripture, but you on top of the scripture, you take tradition. How has the church over the, over the past years understood this, which is what you're doing when you look at commentaries and things like that. Um, you look at reason, use your brain. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? How could that make sense? And then, and then use your own experiences. How, you know, have you experienced anything like this? How would your, how would those influence the way you're thinking about this? And when you combine all those together, you can, um, you really, get, you know, hopefully do it in prayer. Of course, you want the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to be involved. Um, then, then, then you can hopefully come to an understanding and do it in community. I'm a, I'm a huge, big dude in community, and I, that's that. That's part of the reason for the Spirit too. Is I want the Spirit to be there, so make sure you're in yeah. community and and um, and stuff like that. So, well, folks, um, the the question she had is is um how, but, but is there faith involved in reading the Bible? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, seriously, I, you cannot read the Bible purely intellectual because it will not make sense. There are parts in there and Christ. If you look at Jesus Christ, purely intellectual, it's not going to make sense. Right. 
and and, and that's you know so I think that's that's the issue that I have with people like Lee Strobel. It's all doing science stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lee. There's going to be a point where faith comes involved, and the Holy Spirit has got to be involved, and and they're going to have to just deal with that between them and God. I mean, that's that's not something that I can be able to woo someone um, through you know all these points or scientific data or whatever else. It, there is there is a point that faith does come involved, yeah. And you, and you just have to. That's I've accepted that, and and I'm okay with that. I remember watching a documentary on the Discovery Channel talking about you know how to prove you know how science can prove um, like the parting of the Red Sea, and they showed how if if a they showed do with a hair dryer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, put an ant in there. Boom, <laughs> Like a human, like, yeah, you moved the water, but where's the human being going to go? If you, if you put this little twig down there, it's, ah! it's like, can't God just part it? Yeah. So what we really believe is God gave them all magnetic boots and made a magnetic wall in the bottom there. And, you know, and Peter, just, when he jumped out of the boat and walked on the water, he was actually walking on a piece of, piece of plate glass that right, he didn't right. see. But, and you know, then but, all of a sudden he came to the end of it and fell down. But to, but to take that to a point that you don't want to go to, I feel like that they're doing the same thing with creation. Well, well <laughs> you know, There's fine. a lot of the same stuff that's going on with the creation because everyone's trying to explain how when it was never meant to be or never meant to be. You know, telling how it happened. As I said before, I I believe what I believe, but at the same time, if if what I believe is inaccurate, it doesn't shake my faith in Christ. Right. You know what? There are some. Okay. There are some next essentials. Week, you've though you've got to remind me to do the bones of Jesus next week. The bones of Jesus. You've got to remind me to do it. All right. It's a very very famous theological um, argument. Uh, basically that, that, uh, we had a philosophy of religion professor at Asbury and he did it for all of his classes. Okay. And it's, it's, it's really cool. It all, and the purpose of it is not to prove something. The purpose of it is to make you think. Okay. And to make you think about your faith and to make you think about Christ and, and the importance of some things like she mentioned, resurrection and stuff like that. So, right. Absolutely. So you got to remind me, Professor Allen, I know you, we can trust you on this one. Next week's title, the bones of Jesus. Tell me about bones of Jesus. Well, folks, thank you for listening to another episode of About the Church. Thank you to our sponsor who reminds us to pray for a church out there that is in your community that is not your own. And while you're at it, uh, please remember to pray for us and for the people who are listening to this podcast who are really wrestling with a lot of things, trying to figure out who God is, what God wants for them in their lives. And if you can do so, please consider becoming a gspn.tv plus member to help support this ministry. Yes. Please go to gspn.tv slash plus and we'll catch you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.